Emma Chamberlain's 10K Instagram DMs, Gwyneth Paltrow's dangerous wellness advice, and Law Roach quit celebrity styling. We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our fortnightly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders, both past and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. It's so nice to talk to you on the phone because we have barely seen each other recently and I was in the office today and I was like, I miss being in the office with you. Stop. That makes me so happy. Do you know when it's like something that's kind of sad, but it's like nice to hear? Like, oh, nice. But I've been missing you too. And I think about our coffee runs together and the coffee that I now get at my new office, which is in Brunswick, is 570 for a small. So I'm feeling it. And I'm jazz. I am getting a coffee like almost like literally every day that I'm there, 90% of the time, I would say. So. Yeah. People who don't know, that's like big because Maggie would rarely drink coffee. She'd probably get like a, you get a chai or hot chocolate mm-hmm. or like, or you get a coffee, but only every second day. Yes. Um, so that is like quite big for you. Yeah. And you'll also like um, that because of you, I now drink oat caps. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> a little jazz injection into my day. Yeah. Less. <laughs> but we're seeing each other on uh this week for our cute little book club so we have that at least and we have the podcast as in right now yeah oh okay gotcha i was like are we seeing each other again in person um no it's so nice because you're right i'm like it always feels like i'm sort of talking with you like we'll dm or i mean message and stuff but it is nice because to see you in real life and stuff because I feel like you miss out on the small little things. Like I was going to tell you before we got on the mic, so it was quite cute. Tom and I went um, to Bachata, I think that's how you say it, and salsa classes on the weekend as part of like my birthday present and that was so fun. So I did like two hours of dancing on Sunday night, wow. right? But jazz, this is what I wanted to say, so random, but like the bottom of my feet have like carpet burn. <laughs> They're like, it's like, it's like almost, this is so gross. I'm so sorry to anyone listening while they're eating, especially shout out to you, but it's almost like a, like layer of skin that's almost like, it's, it's like, it's rubbed raw. Ow, we're not wearing shoes. No, I was. That's the thing. Cause like, and their shoes and my loafers, like loafers and socks that I always wear and I I'm great in them, but I think it was like kind of skidding around or like mm. the movements in dance. Like my, my shoes were a little bit loose, so there was a bit of mm-hmm. friction. Ouch. Anyway. Oh, that's so wholesome though that you were like, <laughs> like dance lessons. Was Tom good? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because these dance lessons were like, it's really cute. It's quite um, like a community. So we literally barely dance with each other. It's kind of like a rotating thing oh, with like yeah. other people. Um, but I had so much fun so much fun yeah it was it was weird like dancing with like 20 30 guys like and you're like like that's random like I'm not in contact with many men but it was fun and they were nice (laughs) men you said that like 
There's so much anger in the world. Yeah, my disdain for men still reigns strong. I'm sorry. (laughs) So at our live podcast at Beyond the Valley Festival on December 31st, we did our 2023 predictions, and one of them was that Emma Chamberlain will get cancelled. <laughs> now, she hasn't been cancelled, but a TikTok has been making the rounds recently that shows that Emma Chamberlain is charging 10000 US dollars for a personal thank you note in the form of an Instagram DM. And if you can't afford to pay the $10,000 upfront, you can pay it for like $920 per month. Oh my God. Did we like manifest her cancellation or something? Um, Yeah, I saw this on Twitter, which makes me feel like a Gen X person. (laughs) Um, But I almost couldn't believe it. It's on her Anything Goes kind of website. Um, And yeah, I was seeing screenshots of this page, which now I can't access. Um, I'm not sure about Mm -hmm. you, but the link seems to be taken down. And exactly what you said, she is seemingly charging for a personalized thank you note in the form of an Instagram DM, which kind of sounds like two opposites because, honey, like I was going to be like, oh, she's just copy and pasting the same message. No, like someone from her team is probably going to be doing that. Like what do we mean by that? Exactly. And sometimes I think celebrities do this kind of stuff, like paying a crazy amount for like a shout out or a Mm. phone call. But most of the time that's for like a charity, like it's a charity auction. This is not for a charity auction, right? Like it's just if you have $10,000 to throw around, why not have a personal thank you DM from Emma Chamberlain? Oh my God. Wait, Jazz, let's start a side hustle where we can Photoshop like fake messages from celebs. Like if you want like a a, a personalized message from Emma Chamberlain, we can um, ghostwrite that and we can Easy. Photoshop that. I think that's, we're onto something. We'll charge a hundred dollars. <laughs> just a hundred. Yeah, we're so hustle. generous. Um, but it's so interesting because when I Googled this to see if there was any uh, news articles about it, I couldn't see anything, but there was a discussion happening on Reddit and it was quite interesting to see the comment section because a lot of fans, I'm going to call them fans, were trying to explain around it. So I saw one Redditor say that, oh, this must have been an April Fool's joke that was published too early. <laughs> and then someone else was like, this has been around since November. <laughs> And and someone else said that, oh, I'm like, it was quite a long paragraph. And they were like, yeah, like, I think this page was actually published by accident. It wasn't supposed to be public. Like, there's no, like, there's only one photo. $10,000 could be like the stand in, like, amount. Like, Mm. people are really trying to explain it away. And on the flip side of this, it makes me think of that kind of viral clip of um, Matt Healy from the 1975 that was making the rounds on social media and he was talking about like kind of the gross nature of taking money from fans for things like meet and greets. So we'll play the audio here. I tell you what, if you want to do paid meet and greets, do them. I stand by it, but you take the money. If you're an artist and you do paid meet and greets, do it cash and you take the money off the fan. I challenge you to do that. 
Don't don't what? put it on in the, the moment. Yes, like, yes. Okay, don't put it on the much, label. Mate. I don't, don't put it on the cash only. Don't put it on the company. Don't put the responsibility on Jamie, someone else. Can we get the Apple Pay over here, please, mate? I got a fan who wants to shake my hand no, and get this, an autograph. Right? It's fucking gross. It's absolutely fucking gross that you might now young people being convinced by adults that want to make more money and go, oh yeah, sure. So I'm not judging them. I'm saying, trust me. Do a paid meet and greet where it's 20 quid a meet and greet and every single fan, before they touch you, go, let me see that 20. And you'll do it for two minutes and you'll never fucking do it again because you'll realise that it's disgraceful. Yeah. And all that lot, that Jared Leto crowd who promote all that, is it's a fucking abomination. Yeah, I love that audio, that video when it came out. Um... I sort of know how I feel about it. I think there is something mm. in celebrity meet and greets. Um, but, yeah, not a $10,000 Instagram DM. Exactly. Like I feel like the going rate for most meet and greets, surely it's like in Australia five dollars $600, which sometimes is included in the ticket or something. Um, I, I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. Like this is from like a decade ago. Um, but just – the audacity or like the price tag of $10,000 for a DM is so random and weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to know the conversations that happened behind the scenes that led to this moment. Um, Yeah. It is a random number. Why $10,000? April Fool's. Yeah. Speaking of celeb meet and greet, so Jazz, you kind of had a celebrity encounter this week. Is that right? Definitely wasn't a meet and greet. I wish. I'm still manifesting it. It's going to happen. But um, I was at work. Um, my I can say my office now, not our office. No. <laughs> my office is in um, Cremorne, Richmond, which is like a stop outside of the city. And so I was walking to, to the train station just to go home. And have dinner and my friend Grace she works for the ABC and she posted an Instagram being like just waiting like Pov you're waiting for Zac Efron to film or something and like did a little video of where she was sitting and I recognized it was at RMIT University because I used to study there and so I was like wait where are you oh my god I'm coming and like she wasn't reply- I like called her and she didn't answer she didn't reply to my messages but I was like I know exactly where she is so I'm gonna run up and it was really hot mm. that day it was like 30 degrees. So I was like, I stink. I've been at work all day. I forgot my water bottle, so I'm thirsty. If I meet Zach Efron, I can't smell bad. So I got the train to Melbourne Central, ran to Sephora, sprayed perfume, ran to Starbucks. <gasps> I was going to buy a water bottle, but they just gave me a cup of water, which was really nice. And then I ran to the spot where I knew Grace was and everyone had gone because, like, in her video, she'd been sitting with multiple people, like maybe 20 girls. Um but then there were a couple of like younger girls like milling about and there was a film set. So innocently I was like said to a guy, I was like, Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> and he was like, Oh, they're filming a movie, Ricky Stanicki, even though I knew it was a movie set. And I was thought he might give me more information, like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. a or like whatever. Nothing. I was like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it was a bit awkward. And then I was standing at one end of the film set and I heard two girls come up behind me and they were like excitedly talking. 
and I was like are you here to see Zac Efron and they're like yeah we heard he's here and I was like oh, I haven't seen anything and like there was a barrier with like tape and um I was like yeah he's, I can't really see that far in at all like what what's going on at all and then she's like oh maybe we'll go down around the other side so they start walking off together just the two of them and I just like chase after them and follow them <laughs> and I just like joined their little group and then we started chatting and then we got to the other side of the film set and we could see more and I saw two girls being like again two other girls excitedly chatting and there was a guy next to him with like a proper camera and um I was like have you seen Zac Efron and this woman was like he's over there he's over there and he was wearing like a full black hoodie with the hoodie up and like I said it was 30 degrees and he had a face mask on so I was like really like squinting and this guy who had the camera it was like a paparazzi Mm. almost camera like a proper thing that had like taken a photo and zoomed right in on his face and you could see it was him. I was like, oh, my God. But I thought he'd, like, come out further or do something mm. else. But he just was, like, milling about for, like, a minute or two. Um, and, yeah, could barely – only could see his eyes. And then he went away somewhere. And we're like, no, come back. Because there was probably like, six <laughs> of us standing at this barrier. Mm. And then I waited there for, like, 20, 30 minutes. And it was getting darker and darker, dinner time. And I was by myself but because, like, Grace still never messaged me. Um, and she'd already left, obviously. She wasn't there. Um, so I was kind of chatting to like these randoms, but yeah, then some people it was like Hunger Games, like people would start dropping off like one by one. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually I called it. Like they seemed like they were setting up all these lights, like they were gonna film something, mm. but I reckon everyone was at dinner and they were gonna wait till it got properly dark to right. film, whatever they yep, were filming. Yeah. I was like, oh, nah, I'll leave it. And then I just was like, I'm sure he's in Melbourne. Like, I have to see him again, meet and greet again. Um, So, yeah, I saw him with my own eyeballs, but he was very covered up. And it was probably from, like, six or seven metres. Oh, so. that's still pretty close. Yeah. That's still I love that story. Yard. And he was at my old uni, so that's a story in itself. Yeah. Like, that's cool. Completely. I can't believe that you went to Sephora and sprayed yourself with perfume. It's giving like eleven when you were eleven going to a One Direction concert and you you shave you shave somewhere. No, literally, but I actually smelled so bad, so I was like, it's and then you only feel gross as well. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So um, there you go. That sounds like a fun story. I love that story time. If I sound better, I just did that whole segment with my microphone not plugged in properly. So, so sorry about that, but we're back and it sounds hopefully more professional. Hopefully you can hear me fangirl over Zac Efron. So I know you were saying that, you know, he had his hoodie up and his face mask on, but I'm wondering, did you get a glimpse of his like jaw at all? Did he pull down his mask or anything? Because do you remember all that discourse about Zac looking like, um, what was it, Squidward? Like, like a <laughs> like a chiseled Squidward, mm. um, because of his supposed potential like surgery that he's done. Yeah, well, I didn't see his face at all, but he has been spotted in Richmond as well, filming, and he's you know posted a few photos, and there's been some paparazzi shots, and he does look like it's settled a little bit more, like he's looking more like himself. Um, yeah, people blamed his chiseled jaw on like filler or a jaw surgery of some sort. Um, Zach himself denied that he had work done and he claimed it was due to an accident where he had to have reconstructive surgery. People were kind of like, oh, that's bullshit. 
But now people are saying like, oh, maybe he was like telling the truth because it does take like a year for jaw surgery to like settle properly. Like it's such a intense surgery. Um, so I think he's looking good. He's looking back to himself and not so, I don't know. It just seemed sad. Like if he had done that on purpose to like subscribe to the beauty standards of like being mm. a child star and like being a teen heartthrob and stuff. Like I can imagine that would totally fuck with your mind. Like yeah. getting older, he's in his mid thirties now and yeah, getting older and having that pressure still on you to like look a certain way would be quite hard. So hopefully he's feeling better. But there's another child star who has kind of come out with a similar look. Um, this is, of course, Liam Payne from One Direction. Yeah, so there were some pap shots. We actually posted um, it on our Instagram of Liam and Louis together, which made my heart sing. But back to his face first. Um, he did look like he had some sort of jaw surgery. It was kind of giving me like that buckle fat removal because he had mm. um, like quite uh, defined cheekbones like and like a almost like a sullen look around the yeah. mouth or something um so yeah like we kind of like I, I wanted to talk about this today as well but like as we're speaking as well it does make me think I'm like oh like it conversations let's say if we're talking about women and their plastic surgery or alleged mm. surgery like get so tiresome and it's also like it's none of our business that's what they've cho- like chosen it would kind of feel shitty getting a surgery or a procedure done and then everyone like just saying how bad it looks or whatever so I'm also mindful of that um yeah. I do obviously think that women have like traditionally gotten it so much worse so is that as yeah well? It does feel like there's less kind of talk about this than there was about Zac Efron. With Zac Efron, it was like yeah. full on. Um, I don't think it's that bad. Liam's work, like clearly he's had something done. Like his jaw is bigger. He's had filler. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't look super unnatural or give chiseled Squidward. But the reason that Liam Payne has been papped and the shots have been taken were because him and Louis Tomlinson, his former One Direction bandmate, were spotted at the UK premiere of Louis' documentary, All of Those Voices. And the photos are so cute and the caption, like, it pairs with was just so, so special. It actually nearly, nearly brought a tear to my eye. Yeah, let's read out some of it because it is really, really sweet. He says... My neck hurts from how much I'm looking up to you right now. You were already my friend and brother, but getting to look through that window into your world and mine just extends that respect I have for you. What you've dealt with and how you've held it all inside. I'm so sorry I was so out of my mind and I didn't do better for you. I feel ashamed in those moments to not be as good of a friend as you have been to me. At least I have time now and I'm me again, so we'll try and make amends. He also says, I'm so thankful to have you in my life, mate. I feel so lucky and I know you know this, but you are part of a small group of people that literally saved my life. You dragged me out of something so dark I've never shared it, but your approach is something I admire and aspire to so I can one day do the same. You deserve all these moments, every sight you get to see, every cheer that you hear and all the love you're receiving from the world. Bless. And I don't know, listening to – sorry, that was such a weird segue. I just – let me say it again. 
bless. That is so sweet to hear. Recently as well, Shameless podcast did a scandal series on like the breaking up of One Direction. And it was so weird listening back to that almost told from like a third party objective viewpoint because I remember when One Direction broke up. Um <laughs> I literally like blocked it out of my mind. I didn't really look into it because I was like, "That this is too much for me, right? And mm. in the Shameless episode, they were talking about how like Louis was the one who didn't want the brand to separate and he was the one who was like clinging on essentially. So to hear this really makes my heart warm. Yeah, the documentary looks really good and, you know, he's had a lot of tragedy in his life. The documentary follows – Uh, Louis during One Direction split and then his solo career so far and also the tragedies in his personal life which include the death of his mom Joanna in December 2016 and then his younger sister Felicity who died from an accidental drug overdose in March 2019 Um, and yeah he opens up about his own personal struggles during the documentary which resonated with Liam I think because he's had his own you know, mental health issues. And Zane has been similar as well. Like I think being in spotlight like that at such a young, like pivotal age, oh, yeah. like the most famous boys in the world, like I swear that changes your brain chemistry. Um, so it's nice to see them growing up and Liam and Louie at least kind of like coming together. Um, there's also been talk of, you know, Harry and Niall or Niall, you know, sharing Harry's Grammy win on his Instagram. And this also comes after – the train wreck interview from last year uh-huh. with Liam Payne and Logan Paul, where Liam came across as super like jealous almost. And he really spilled a lot of tea. He seemed really petty. Um, and, you know, then he was seen like playing clubs in Ibiza and, you know, like day parties while his, other bandmates like Harry Styles is like releasing, you know, a third crazy successful solo album. So it seemed like it was, yeah, not a good time for him, but he seems a bit happier now. So hopefully this is like a step closer to a reunion. What do we think? Oh, don't even. I'm not even going to get my hopes up. I just think this whole situation also proves how like malleable I am to like One Direction news. Like, you know, um, I I was team anti-Liam and I'm not his fondest like fan. But after this one Instagram caption, I'm like, oh, my God, like redeemed. Um, But, yeah, it is. it, It has been a really nice nice little bit of news that we can like find some like joy in from everybody. Right. Like it's positive for Louis and Liam. That's cute. Gwyneth Paltrow's latest wellness comments have caught the internet's attention this week. But before we get into them, we have to reference what has come before. According to The Cut, Gwyneth's lifestyle brand Goop has recommended at-home coffee enemas, eight straight days spent consuming only goat milk to kill that parasite that you probably have and cleansing yourself of bad vibes by covering your body in frequency healing stickers or misting your room with gem infused vampire repellent. It's also tried to sell an allegedly genital strengthening jade egg and a bag of artisanal poop. When you put it in a string (laughs) like that, it's really quite insane, isn't it? 
Oh, I know. And that's without mentioning her vaginal candle, if we remember. So, yeah, Gwyneth is not shy of the spotlight and goops many controversies or just products that they sell um, often appear in the news cycle because of just how ridiculous and absurd they are. And now she's back in the news cycle because the 50-year-old former actress shared her typical wellness routine on Dear Media's podcast, The Art of Being Well. I'd never heard of this podcast before. Had you? No, I hadn't heard about it at all. I mean, I don't think both of us really stay in those kind of wellness corners on the internet, but the podcast is described as, quote, A manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. The art of being well is a fresh infusion of grace and lightness into wellness. Here we will explore exciting ways for you to nurture your body, spirit, mind and relationships. From this place of using self-care as a form of self-respect, you can discover your own metamorphosis. It's so American. So it's hosted by Will Cole, a doctorate of natural medicine who works closely with Gwyneth. In the clip that's gone viral, Will Cole asks, what does your wellness routine look like now? And Gwyneth responds that she'll start the day with coffee, exercise for an hour, have soup or bone broth around midday, have then have a paleo dinner with lots of vegetables around 6 p.m. before fasting again until the midday the next day. She also references having like an IV drip uh, to the, you know, get nutrients straight into her bloodstream. So basically also, I mean, depends what type of soup it is, but she's basically saying she has one meal a day. That's one meal. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. And a lot of people um, rightfully saying like, okay, so she breaks her fast with like a liquid. Yeah. Like that is not, sure, not, yeah, not good right. So the clip went viral and lots of younger people were kind of like calling her out on it, which was really good. Um, not that she's going to stop because like this is how she makes her money, right? Like she's selling an aspirational product, which is herself. Um, but lots of people were kind of like, fuck this and like, you know, stitched it on TikTok with them eating like a bowl of sugary cereal or a huge like baguette sandwich being like, you need to eat. But um Gwyneth responded to the criticism on Friday through her Instagram stories when she shared that her diet has been altered in recent years because she's dealing with long COVID. She says, the way it manifests for me is very high levels of inflammation over time. So I've been working with Dr. Cole to really focus on foods that aren't inflammatory. This was a transparent look at a conversation between me and my doctor. It's not meant to be advice for anybody else. It's really just what has worked for me and it's been very powerful and very positive. This is not to say that I eat this way all day, every day. And by the way, I eat far more than bone broth and vegetables. The way that a public figure can say like, oh, I'm sharing personal information from my life that is going to be like received by the masses. But oh, don't actually like take it to heart. I'm just like saying my thoughts or whatever. Is this like negating all the responsibility of herself and just like not – recognizing like her position of power here as well like you are the founder of like a global wellness brand obviously people are going to be looking at you for like you said inspiration and like aspiration exactly like she says this is a conversation between me and my doctor 
Like, so it's like not. we're sitting in her, her doctor's office <laughs> appointment. Like, why was this published? Like, you chose to make this information public. Like, of course, there's going to be backlash. Mm. Of course, new people would say something. I think it's irresponsible for a doctor to, like, mm. be even peddling kind of, like, wellness advice or interviewing people on wellness advice in the first place. Because, yeah, like she, like you said, she has a lifestyle brand that people aspire mm. to. So, of course, they'd be tempted to follow it. When like the freaking poster woman for modern new age wellness is, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow. And I think your point there is so right. You posted this on your story as well, which was just like, we should not have this publicized. Like that is actually the answer to this because I did see another tweet, which I like do agree with in a way. I can't find it now, but it was essentially being like, um, everyone's annoyed at Gwyneth for being truthful about what she's eating but you know look 20 years ago to the early 2000s and you see like obviously generalizing but like a lot of supermodels lying about what they're eating and like pretending that they stuff their faces with like cheeseburgers and pizzas and that they don't exercise and like that whole other conversation of it um but that's also so messy and obviously that's like that's not the answer so I do think what you're saying about like hey like let's not put this information really Mm -hmm. out there or like as journalists I know this was like a doctor or whatever but like should we be asking those questions yeah yeah the tweet that I shared on my story was like why are we asking celebrities what they eat this is paraphrased by the way but why are we asking celebrities what they eat the only time I want to know like a person's nutrition is if they're like an athlete that's training for something and it's about performance like I read that like you know Mm. if it was like I am a long distance runner and I eat this much protein before I go for a run or something along those lines but obviously that's got to be like actual meals not you know that can be done irresponsibly as well I totally agree that that could also be dangerous and like they could be peddling like some sort of supplement or something. Yeah, I mean, I just think like in general, anyone sharing like exactly what they eat in a day, I just always think it's quite harmful just because like no matter how well-rounded it is, I just think because every everyone's so different. Mm. And I mean, I don't think the act potentially of sharing it into the open is what's dangerous, but how people respond and like digest, ironically, that information can be. So I just like... I don't know. I mean, it's so weird because I still love reading like in Sunday life, like they have mm. my day on a plate and then they, I, I just find it so interesting because it's voyeuristic, right? But um, but I think we have to be more critical about yeah. it. Yeah, and if you're already someone who's being criticised for like um, the kind mm. of crazy wellness fads and like trying to sell rich women like fucking $800 eggs or like vagina steams that gynecologists have come out and been like you shouldn't do that like vagina is self-cleaning you don't need to sit on like a steamer (laughs) um (laughs) I don't know if it was me I'd be a bit more aware of what I'm saying but that's just me babes that's just me so we're having this conversation now kind of off the back of a lot of fashion weeks that are happening around the world and from all these fashion weeks has been this like resounding argument or feeling in the air that there is not enough body diversity on the runways um, and a lot of commentators have kind of pointed out 
how backwards it feels, one of which is um, the cut writer Tariro Mazua, and they wrote an article called What Happened to the Plus Size Models. I think from 2018 to 2022, there was a lot more conversations around body positivity and diversity. But this article is saying, yeah, that we've really seem to have gone backwards and there's hard stats on that. Like it's not just a vibe, it's not just a feeling. Mm. Data collected by Vogue Business um, said that in an analysis of 9,137 looks across 219 shows in New York, London, Milan and Paris, only 17 brands included at least one plus size, which is US size 14 plus look. So that means that 95.6% of looks were worn by models in US sizes 0 to 4, which is Australian sizes 4 to 8. And just 3.8% were worn by mid-size models, which are sizes 6 to 12 or sizes 10 to 16 in Australian. I just find that so deflating, Mm -hmm. like hearing that those numbers in front of us it's just like come on and even like I'm glad that the term mid-size has risen in popularity but then to hear that like we're calling you know like someone who's a size 10 12 like mid-size, it's like it, it just feels so weird uh, and then the, like for instance when we look at like the average Australian woman we actually can't really p- pinpoint what size she is because um that one stat which is like the average size in Australia is a size 16 is almost from a decade ago as well it's outdated but it's probably close to the truth so mm-hmm. it's like okay like do we need to reframe all these numbers I don't know I just what is happening mm. <laughs> and interestingly the brands with the most plus size models on the runway were mostly emerging designers carolyn vito and sinead o'dwyer presented 100 percent and 90.5 percent of looks on mid-size and plus size models and most of these brands showed at london fashion week which was the most inclusive of the four cities which is interesting not that i don't know that if a city yeah. can be more kind of plus size or inclusive but like that's just an interesting fact I oh, think I like why so. like what's happened culturally in London or what's not happening yeah. in like New York Milan and Paris maybe that's because they're the homes of like well Milan and Paris are the homes of couture maybe or Paris is mm, yeah. yeah there was also something interesting I heard about um some plus size models as part of these runways they would have clothes literally custom made for their size because these brands actually don't stock those sizes and you know after they're worn on the runway the brand's not stocking or creating um clothes that actually fit that size so it's also like oh it's kind of performative Mm. but you know like even these numbers even these brands who are ticking these boxes for numbers it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing the right literally thing. not that i'm buying like runway designer clothes but even when you're buying like <laughs> yeah. a nicer brand the right like as a treat and then it's like you see the model or you see it on the website and then you go to mm. it and it's like they don't even stock at like oversized 10 and you're like why did you do that yeah. like why would you it's like dangling a carrot in your <laughs> face or something mm. <sighs> Locally, we've just had Melbourne Fashion Festival and model and former Coach Club guest speaker Milo Hatil also called out Melbourne Fashion Festival for the lack of size diversity this year. 
You went to more shows than I did. So, like, would you say you saw less, more, like, more plus-size people or was it very thin? Yeah, I only went to two shows, but I saw zero plus-size mm. people. I saw a few mid-size, but literally zero plus-size people um, on the runways. So that was endlessly disappointing um, and just, like, like boring to see I don't know yeah so that definitely was disheartening um did you notice anything else um not so much at Melbourne Fashion Festival the one that I went to was like the graduate one so it was very like avant-garde arty like crazy huge costumes like someone was wearing a tent (laughs) literally a camping tent (laughs) um so it was kind of hard to look you know and see that but I wouldn't say there was was anyone noticeably plus size or mid-size um so I hope that it just shows like we can talk all we want about diversity but it's just so shit that bodies are still trend like still trending and still trends even though we thought we were past that like everything just goes round and round and round and round it's so disappointing it is disappointing and I know it can be like tiresome having these conversations and it almost sounds like stating the obvious obvious and things but I actually think it's needed because what we're seeing and I think like I'm so glad that Vogue business report came out because those numbers were mm. so jarring. Um, so I'm glad that there's been more like explicit talk about this and like surely surely more change would come like I I can't see us like regressing even yeah, even more but hopefully. there was also an article that came out from the Oscars that kind of noticed how slim everybody was on the red carpet oh yeah and it was talking about like the Ozempic kind of uh conversation that's happening in Hollywood which is basically a drug that is used for diabetics has been co-opted by people to make them lose weight and people are saying that a lot of celebrities are on it, which is really fucked up. But we are coming off the back of a groundbreaking Oscars season, packed with many history-making moments. But, yeah, we're talking about body positivity and diversity, but how inclusive do you think the Oscars was this year? Yeah, I mean, it is kind of like a running joke that, like, especially me, I don't really know much about the award season. Do you like this was probably like a year ago? I had a revelation on Culture Club that oh, Academy Awards and Oscars are the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like what? So um, I am not like an avid follower of the Oscars, but of course, this one had so many talking points. I personally didn't watch it. It fell on our public mm. holiday uh, here in Melbourne. So, you know, I saw some of the runway looks and I was kind of getting like drip fed the big award wins uh, throughout the day. But was that something that you were following? No, I was camping over the long weekend. So I came back on Monday. Um, So, but I definitely saw it all over social media. I saw Kei Hui Kwan's speech everywhere. That was so emotional and so sweet I his story I think is so inspiring and like I think it speaks a lot to the power of like just speaking out loud like making speaking your wishes out loud and like it's just sweet that he thought his time was kind of over but now he's you know older middle-aged and 
he's like achieving what he wanted when he was a teen and also he said in a speech that like he didn't get roles because he was Asian um and now to win an Oscar like it's pretty special to see but you had your own thoughts kind of on this topic because Michelle Yeoh also won the Oscar for Best Actress for Everything Everywhere All at Once and she was the first Asian woman to ever win, right? Yeah, that actually sounds so mm. random just to hear that. But like we we had to talk about it because we've talked we've spoken about everything everywhere all at once on this pod before. But now like okay, this step blows my mind. It is the most awarded film in history on earth. Like what do we mean? Like that's so wild. Personally, I don't think he should have won Best Picture, but that's a different <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, Michelle Yeoh won. I made a TikTok about it just because I had like some thoughts that were like half baked, but I just wanted to share them online. Essentially, like I talked about how I felt about the win, which was literally nothing. I felt emotionless. And by the way, this is fully my mm. own opinion I had a lot of other Asian women being like oh like that's so interesting I did not mm. feel that way at all etc so you're not just, like just a monolith like that's a whole another issue right like you don't speak, speak yeah, for all yeah. of us <laughs> yeah. but yeah like my initial thought was like dejectedness because um I spoke about like I personally know how incredible and talented Asian women are so it was like this felt like the bare minimum almost just because I'm like oh like yeah, we can win Oscars. That's not up for debate. Mm -hmm. That's just something that we can do. And it just made me feel weird because obviously the Oscars has faced so much controversy in recent years, a lot of it um, related to race as well. I almost felt like they had no choice but to award quite a few of these winners because like PR moves and they would just get so much backlash potentially for not doing it. That's not to say that I don't think that the actors from Everything Everywhere should have, um, like shouldn't have won their award. I think they gave like really great performances, and I think they deserved it. But it's almost like okay, but how much emphasis and weight should we be putting on it? Like when this institution of the Oscars has proven time and time again that like literally doesn't care about people of color. So it was embarrassing. I don't know. I saw this TikTok that showed that. Finally, now there are more Asian actresses who have won Oscars than yellow face white actors have won o Oscars for playing Asian women. That's like, so what? Wild. What are you say? There's there've been two, right? Like, what were they? Who were they? Yeah, they were kind of like oldish mm. movies. Like, we're talking a few decades ago. I understand things are different then, but they weren't movies I knew. But those roles were heralded as being groundbreaking and stuff. And it's just like... And they were playing Asian so characters. Yeah, Asian, like, so white people playing Asian characters. Does even make sense? Yeah. Were they, like, dressed up, oh, like... God. Yeah, it's like makeup-wise as well. Oh like, it's yeah, so not, weird, not isn't it? Like, that seems so crazy now. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we've had Emma yeah. Stone do it recently. That's like, who I thought you might it's have been not, it's, it's still happening. Mm. Nah, but, yeah, this was older stuff. Um, and then there was one other video I saw, which was, it was incredible, um... I couldn't find the video, but it was these two South Asian women who won Oscars and they were the first women um, from, I think it was 
an Indian production company who had ever won an Oscar. Like incredibly groundbreaking stuff. There were two women went on stage. The first did her speech in 42 seconds. The others just goes to say something really quick and is completely faced by like Oscar's Ooh. music so she doesn't even get a word in. The next award, like literally the one right after, two white men mm. win. They both go on. They both get their mm. full time. Yeah. What? Like it's, it's just I like, did okay, not Oscars. see this. Yeah, and then um, in like the post kind of ceremony, the the woman that was cut off like gave her like 20-second spiel and it was beautiful Good. and it was really, really heartwarming. But it's just like, oh, we couldn't hear that. Like, Wow. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so infuriating. So your TikTok was saying that like this isn't groundbreaking and like it's kind of bare minimum. Like it is groundbreaking. Like I mm. definitely can acknowledge that and it's like such a special win. But it's but I think it leaves me feeling icky mm-hmm. as well. Like there's twofold. Like, are we supposed to be really grateful for this? Is this like why is it so shocking that we've won? It's not because Asian people are bad at acting yeah. or doing their jobs. It's because like white society hasn't recognized mm. that. Um yeah, but like overall, I'm like I'm obviously so like I'm like it's incredible. Like these wins are incredible. I also did want to point out one other speech that I saw that was from one of the Daniel, so the directors and creators of Everything Everywhere. Um, so the Asian Daniel went up, and it was so interesting because the thing with Kei Hui Kwan and Michelle Yeoh's speech at times, because like I have cried like during both their speeches in the past like I'm not immune but I do think they sometimes can fall into this like motivation porn territory and like Mm -hmm. like oh like so cute or whatever about these like adult adult like professionals I saw a similar thing as well on that topic with um Mm. Brendan Fraser who won for Mm, the whale whale. he's a white man but um he kind of got shunned from Hollywood for a bit and fell out of acting for a while and he's come back and he's having a real kind of like renaissance and everyone is like you know treating him like oh dad's back vibes but it reminds me of a tweet as well like speaking about Brendan Fraser that says that um the way we're treating him like a make a wish kid is like really icky like the way he kind of was shunned from Hollywood and then has come back and everyone's treating him like a bit of a charity case is like a bit odd and I was thinking the same thing like it's sweet but it's when does it become almost like like infantilizing people I think that especially can happen Mm -hmm. um with people of color right like it becomes like white people Mm -hmm. like patting themselves on the back like oh we're so great and like look you're getting so much recognition like this is amazing oh my god and then like that turns into like motivation porn and blah 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 and on the flip side of that, like something that was so nice was, yeah, the Daniels director in his acceptance speech, like turned the conversation to his son. I'm going to play a little bit now to round us off for the segment too. If you ever watch this, I hope you know that uh, you should never have to live up to the standard. This is not normal. This is kind of crazy. I will love you no matter what. Off the back of the Oscars and Vanity Fair after party, Law Roach has called it quits on celebrity styling. Of course, this is the famous celebrity stylist, literally the only one I know who has worked with the likes of Zendaya, Celine Dion, Priyanka Chopra Jones, Anne Hathaway, Ariana Grande, and Anya Taylor-Joy. 
There's an interview that people have been talking about titled, I've been suffering for years, Law Roach on the reasons behind his sudden retirement from celebrity fashion styling, and it's in conversation with Lindsay Peoples. And Law Roach says, I am definitely 100,000% retiring. Nobody can say what's forever and what will happen, but at this moment and in my mind, I'm definitely retiring from celebrity styling. I'm not retiring from fashion because I love it so much, but styling in the way that I've been of service to other people, I'm retiring from that. So this interview was a really interesting read. It's quite long. Um, They've also got like a podcast version of it, but it essentially goes through his experience in the fashion industry as a black man, but also a black man who grew up extremely poor and who like suffered a lot of adversity Mm. as well. So it was such an interesting read because I feel like the world of styling feels quite foreign, but the world of celebrity styling literally is a level Mm. above that because it's not just clothes, it's personalities, it's identities that you're dealing with. And um, Lindsay Peoples is a black woman. So having that kind of cultural connection there was a really, really interesting um, read. I want to read out a little bit more that he said as well. I'm very grateful that I've been able to move and climb in this industry the way I have, but I can't say that I didn't do it without suffering. And I think as black people in this country, it's embedded in us to suffer, right? We feel like to be successful, we have to suffer. You suffer through things to get to the other side. So he speaks about the moment that it sort of broke for him It was the day before the Oscars and Vanity Fair party and he found himself on the phone with three women, one of his female celebrity clients, their publicist and a brand rep and it felt like he was defending himself and fighting. So it's really interesting because the internet's trying to figure out like who kind of was the celeb at the centre mm-hmm. of this um, and no, it, Zendaya wasn't there so it wasn't Zendaya but I think it kind of is above like beside the point. I know it's quite funny like I saw a lot of tweets which were like posted photos of each of the five women he like style, styled and was like, you know, one by one we will <laughs> like find her kind of thing but like it's an industry-wide thing so like the a lot of the piece is centered around racism in the industry and he kind of keeps referring to this like unnamed but like click of like white female stylists that are at the center of the industry who like work with all these a-listers and like get these mm. jobs um out of like one one quote I also wanted to read was really quite heartbreaking. So he says, this also happens when I'm working with non-black talent. It's this emotion of I'm supposed to be grateful because I'm dressing the white girl. I'm supposed to be grateful. But I'm like, no, she's supposed to be grateful that she's working with me because I'm changing her life. I mean that as humbly as possible, but like it can't be debated. I'm one of the only stylists that really actually changes and helps change the trajectory of people's careers through fashion. I love that quote. Yeah, one of the people he's speaking about, like whose careers he changed, is Zendaya. Uh, It's quite sweet. They said they promised to do everything in their power to elevate each other when they were first in the industry because nobody wanted to touch either of them. He says, Like, nobody wanted to lend me clothes. Nobody wanted to dress her because at that time, Disney girls wasn't considered real actresses. So we pinky swore to each other that I would do my part. She would do her part and we would do it together. And now look, Zendaya's like always on the best dress list. Oh, God, I know. It's like incredible. Um, And when I was like researching this, I was looking at his 
past looks for like Ariana Grande and Celine Dion. Like my goodness, they are magnificent. Like, like his mind is incredible. And he talks about, you know, he puts his spirit into these clothes and like it is his life. Like he, like there's a lovely line, which was like, you know, my clients will know this if we're picking between two dresses, they'll, they'll be like, okay, call me tomorrow. Um, Law Roach, I know you'll dream about this tonight. Like he just lives and breathes wow. this and he is so talented. I find that's what I found really interesting about this piece. Like he's not stepping away completely, but like this industry and all the baggage that comes with it kind of like broke this really incredibly talented man's soul, at least in this little, mm. like in this part of his career. I don't want to just like yeah. inflate that, but yeah it's just so disappointing to see but like you said I think he'll be back in one form or another whether it's like fashion writing or fashion like having his own line or something like that well great predictions jazz speaking of he is working on a book deal he is becoming the creative director of a men's footwear brand unnamed right now and he promised that he will still be working with Zendaya in some capacity so this will not be the last of him I would ask you what you have recommended this week, but it turns out we found out that we're both recommending the same book and this is what happens when we're in the same bloody book club. So we're going to do a joint recommendation this week. Yes, but it's a bloody good book. That's why we're both recommending it. It's called Bunny. It's by Mona Awad. And yeah, like Jazz said, it's our book club pick for the month. And interestingly enough, the rights to the TV show adaptation have also just been acquired. So you'll probably hear a lot more Mm. about this book. Yes. So give you a quick synopsis. Bunny follows Samantha, an MFA student at Warren University and a loner in her fiction writing cohort. That is until the clique of girls who move together as one and call each other Bunny invite her to their off-campus workshop one night and reality begins to blur. <laughs> so the book is like, okay, my my biggest words that I'd use are wacky and weird, mm. but it's also darkly funny. It's horror-esque and grotesque for sure, but like a very weird yeah. book is how I would frame it. What about you? I would say the same our friend Lizzie chose it because she said it was like crime. Well, she hadn't read it, but from like what she'd see online, she wanted to choose like a crimey genre. And I wouldn't say it's crime or dark horror. I'd say it's more like eerie, creepy. But the themes mm. are fascinating. It's themes of friendship, class and wealth um, and mental health as well. And mm. I would recommend reading it in a short space of time because I found that if I kind of went out of it for two three days I would be like a bit tripped out when I'd get back into it and I when I was reading it quickly I was enjoying it a lot more yeah I read this in like well under a week and it was like a book and I was like oh my god yeah. I like, want to read it because it's like great storytelling I feel like the like narrative moves pretty yeah. fast I love the writing style like it read very like oh my god like this this author has definitely done a course in creative writing <laughs> like in a good way like I was like learning a lot um and I also like which I'm very excited for the book club chat, um, how open the story was to yes. interpretation. So like I quickly jumped on Reddit and like 
everyone had so many yeah. different theories of it and stuff. But genuinely, like, it was just, like, a really fun book to read um, despite its, like, gruesome elements or whatever. So, yeah, I'm, I've never really read something like that as well. Yeah. So, like, that's why it really tickled my fancy. Yeah, and I think you can so easily picture it as a TV show. Oh, well, that's the thing. I don't think so. Really? Like, I find it really difficult because I love how, like, open to interpretation mm. it is. But it, with a TV show, it feels very much more binary. So I'm intrigued. Yeah. Oh, the twist. Oh, I can't wait to talk about the twist of Book Club, but we'll let everyone read well, it like, themselves. What do you mean? You can, okay, I can't even. I can't even, I can't even do it. Like, <laughs> okay, we all, we're on the verge of spoiling, so we'll go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Let's get out of here. <laughs> um but thank you everyone for listening um i feel like we need to do a little recap of how often we're doing episodes because they're a bit sporadic but it's two podcast like two pop culture podcasts per month one culture club chat guest and one week off in total so you're still getting three podcast episodes over the month two are going to be longer pop culture meaty ones and then we have a chat so there's a chat coming up next week don't hold us accountable to all that was said <laughs> that is the general guide like next minute i'll be like two month break <laughs> but no that is definitely what we're aiming for so thank you so much for tuning in and we can't wait to talk to you soon bye, bye.